0: I wanted to reward you for being a good boy and getting a new microphone. Welcome back friends and family. Uh, this is Lauer after hours this week. We are super privileged and thrilled to be joined by, uh, well, I'll give some of his uh, accomplishments uh, that I got from, uh, I, I did my research, did my homework. Um, you are the 2012 Top 20 Professionals Under the Age of 40 uh, finalist, the 2010 Miami's Best AM Radio Personality awarded by the Miami New Times, and you are the 2004 finalist for the Florida Associated Press Radio Sportscaster of the Year Award, Mr. Jorge Sedona. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Hey guys, thanks for having me. <laughs> it's fun to be here. I didn't realize that uh, those, you did your research. I feel like I'm like inside the <laughs> actor's studio or something like that. Well,
0: so I wanted to, I was, I was doing a little bit of homework on your, your Wikipedia page. And
2: those <laughs> oh, like, obviously, I have no <laughs> idea what's on there. So I, I can't attest to any of it.
0: Well, it was funny because it's clearly like it, it goes way back early in your career. and. Uh, I just, I thought it was funny that you're your finalist, you were a finalist in 2004 uh, of the year for the Associated Press Radio Sportscaster, and I just appreciated that fact, and I thought it would be uh, pretty funny to leave with that, uh, that so uh, obviously you are uh, a host at ESPN, ESPN Radio, um, could you just give
2: us a quick rundown of everything you're involved in? Oh, man, I serve a lot of masters at ESPN. So, yeah, I am on ESPN radio, uh, specifically doing a show in Los Angeles for ESPN's owned and operated station there. Um, I'm on The Jump uh, pretty regularly, which is Rachel Nichols's NBA show that's on every weekday right. afternoon. Uh, I'm part of the Around the Horn crew. Uh, I'm on SportsCenter pretty regularly, but particularly for my LA guys, Neil and Stan, those are my guys. Um, I jump in studio with them. Well, when we could jump in studio, right, um, right. you know, pre-pandemic. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, I, I've just been part of like Dan's waggy little family for a long, long time. <laughs> we all used to work together locally in Miami. So um, well, we, those are pretty much the main things I do. Right. And the, oh, the sideline reporting. I obviously should have remembered that. Right, uh, right. Yeah the NBA sideline reporting
0: to. That that list is pretty long. I don't blame you for, for getting uh, a, a major one on there. You, you have your uh, – you you were involved in a lot of areas of ESPN. Um, also, real quick, before I throw it to the first question, as a white guy who cannot roll his
2: R's at all, <laughs> do you prefer her, Jorge or George? It really doesn't make a difference to me. Okay. There's really not a lot of people that call me Jorge. I, honestly, okay. it's funny because the only reason is because my dad was Jorge. So just growing up, it was just easier being George, right? Like my mom, when she was yelling at someone, it would just be much easier to distinguish that way. Um, So there's very few people that actually call me Jorge. Like Dan's mom um, is probably one of the few people that calls me that consistently. Um, I feel like Dan does it um, because he definitely wants to like uh, help promote the Hispanic aspect of our culture. Right, of course. Um, But yeah, generally it's really just Dan's mom for the most part. I don't think even my own mom anymore, uh, even <laughs> with my dad passing years ago, doesn't even refer to, refer to me as Jorge. She still wow. calls me George, I think. Wow.
0: that's the, I, I love it. Absolutely love it. Well, we're going to get the questions rolling here. We're going to go first out, uh, I believe to the gentleman that that uh, was in touch with you and, and booked you for tonight. That's Asom. He's got a basketball question. Go ahead, Asom. Five
2: for five in dropping <laughs> uh, during an NBA game, uh, show phrasing five for five in one game that was incredible I was was feeling it that night it was kind of like uh you know my uh my my perfect game uh, I feel like I went out there I nailed the first one very early on and then I just kept texting Chris Cody give me another one give me another one give me another one and then I just tried to weave them in in my five appearances during the broadcast I think I may have even squeezed it in in an interview with Ben Simmons at the end but I don't remember because it was a while ago It was great. No one's going to be able to top it. My question is, I was going to go to a basketball question, but we're going to get to a bunch of those. Um, If you had a choice to do one show, The Jump, HQ, Around the Horn, all with having your buddy Stu Gatz on, which show would you pick and why? I say that because the one time I saw you two on The Jump, it was phenomenal. I would say The Jump only because I know this. No disrespect to Around the Horn or HQ, but I know that basketball people are watching the jump, right? Like I will literally say things and like Charles Barkley will text me, right? So because of that, because Stugatz is such a flamethrower, right? I know that he's going to say something about someone and then I'm going to run into them at a game and they're going to be like, yo, who the bleep was that idiot you had on next to you on the jump that was talking crap about me? Yeah, you know? Like, so I feel like that show would resonate differently because basketball people executives players coaches they all watch that show so i know that it would it would cut through in a different way and him trashing someone or not putting them in their personal record book would totally make my life impossible when i'd have to run into these people excellent uh again thanks for joining us before i pass it along Brilliant comment last night on my U Darvish tweet with Sarah Spain. Uh, that was excellent. <laughs> oh, Basketball no. is on your mind. <laughs> yeah, is well, on your mind. it's funny because I even bef- it's it's funny because when I saw it, even before I was drinking last night, um, I saw it and I thought because you Darvish hasn't been that great. You know, over the last couple of years. So I just automatically assume because he's not been so great that he has a 17 ERA in this crazy (laughs) uh, baseball season that we have. So that's why I made the joke he'd be great as the Bulls small forward, though. Um, And then realizing later when Sarah said no both ways. I'm like, what? So then I went back and I'm like, oh,
0: yeah, well, you know, whatever. I'm like, <laughs> oh, gosh, it's okay. All right. Uh, Asom, you did not have to do that man dirty like that. We're going to keep it moving. All right. Up next is Jeff. Uh, Jeff's actually out in L.A. I believe he's got a broadcasting question. Go ahead, Jeff.
1: What up, Jorge? Hey? It's Jeff. I'm actually down in OC. Hey, what up? Um, not too much. Uh, huge 710 fan. Super excited for uh, you and LZ back in the afternoon. Well, you back in the afternoons with LZ. I think it's going to be a great get some crosstalk back with Mason in Ireland. Yeah, Maybe man, right on. Time. Thank you. Um so well, first off, I think a lot of fans call you Jorge in addition <laughs> to dance mom, so there's that. But uh, uh my question is this as you've gone from Miami broadcasting to LA broadcasting, it, particularly from a radio standpoint, like what are the big differences there that you've experienced?
2: You know, it's weird because there's actually a lot of similarities, I feel like. Um, You know, both towns get a lot of grief for being crappy sports towns, right? Um, That the fans don't care as much as, like, fans in the Northeast or fans in Chicago or whatever. You know what I mean? Um, So I feel like there's that, right? Um, The biggest difference, though, is I, man, I would say the West Coast bias, or I guess East Coast bias, whichever way you want to look at it, is a real thing. And I think because everything starts later uh, out here, that there are so many people that have no idea, A, number one, how crazy people are here about certain teams, like the Lakers, for example, or even the Dodgers, right? Like, people are lunatics for those teams here. And much like when I was in Miami, like, people love the Dolphins and love the Heat. And everybody always just, like, assumes, ah, Miami beaches, you don't care. Like you get you get to the games late, you leave early. And LA kind of has that same vibe too. But the West Coast bias thing is real. Um, because you will watch, particularly when it comes to like college sports, like when I watch college football, like there's a lot of good college football teams on the West Coast, like Oregon, for example. My guy Mario Cristobal, who's from Miami, um, is their coach. And they get like no love um because they play their games at 10 30 at night on the East Coast and they're just ramrodding people you know beating them by like 50 points you know at one in the morning on a Saturday night so I feel like little things like that like there is definitely like a bias when it comes to being on the west coast because if you're on the east coast you generally don't get a chance to watch sports that late like you have work and kids and things like that so you're You're not staying up, you know, unless you're some sort of maniac or um, you don't love sleep or you are also just a single person and don't care about sleep.
1: (laughs) Right on. Thanks, man. Appreciate
2: it. Yeah, man. All right. Next
0: up, we're going out to Steak in Albuquerque. He's got a baluca whale question. Okay. (laughs) Hey, Jorge. Hey, I was on a Zoom call um, with uh, Mark from the Reddit and Steve about 10 seconds after you left a few months ago. So this is a big throw for me. Um, I wanted to ask you, we have somebody in our group chat who is, uh, is saying that Luka Doncic is not a top-ten player overall. Can you a uh, dunk on him for me, please?
2: Yeah, look, <laughs> I will give you my top-ten players in the NBA right now. Like, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Maybe, you know, I'm going to try to put them in some order. So, at the top, I'll have, like, LeBron and Giannis and Kawhi, right? So, those are your three. Then I'll have, like, Harden. Um, I'm going to include KD and Steph, right? Like, let's say they're healthy, right? So you got right. those guys, um, Damian Lillard, Anthony Davis, Joel Embiid, and then I'm putting Luca right there. Like, yeah. I think Luca is in that top 10. Like, at least the way he's played this year. He is absolutely an MVP candidate. Um, you know, maybe in a, if Paul George would have had a full healthy season, like, I think maybe skill set wise, he's still better than Luca. But the way Luca has played this year, you know, he's a top five MVP candidate. Oh, he's probably a top five most improved player candidate. So I will dunk on your boy and tell you that he is on my in my personal record book for twenty twenty, Luka Doncic is my tenth best player.
0: Yeah, uh, thank you. Where's uh, Jason Tatum rank?
2: Uh, right below that. I would say right below that. I think that he's kind of in that next group, uh, 10 to 15, with, with like Jimmy Butler and like Russell Westbrook in that group. Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, up next, we've got uh, the gentleman that you just dunked on, and that is Aaron from Memphis. Aaron, go ahead. Okay. What up,
3: Aaron? Real quick, can I can can I just clarify your your top ten real quick?
0: Absolutely okay. not, Aaron. We uh we gotta get Wait. to your question. You all just right, got dunked on. Closer. You are he no, just no he just Sean he just Sean Kemp Rain Man dunked on your ass.
3: He just before he got to Luka. Finger him gunned him. you. Finger gunned you, Aaron. Anyway, uh, go ahead. All right, I asked I Amin mean, this question and he gave me a poor answer and I graded him poorly and I will also grade you on this answer as well. Um, I need you to give me your top five all-time Grizzlies starting lineup. Oof. And um, also a guard, a wing, and a post off the bench. And then to follow that up with with who's the best. A guard, guard, a wing, and a post from the Grizzlies? Off the bench, yeah.
2: Holy moly. Um, All right. Like, okay, so all-time starting five, there's three easy ones, right? Like, you have to go with Conley, right? You have to go with Gasol, and you have to go with Zemo, right? So those three, right out of the gate, really easy. Um, Can I put John in my backcourt, too, already? Because I think he's that good.
3: That bump's a very important player.
2: Okay, who's the the very important player?
3: The grandfather, Tony Allen.
2: I mean, but Tony Allen would come off my bench, because I think John Moran is a better (laughs) player. Um, I would also throw Shane Battier or into into my bench players. I would also Pau Gasol in my starting five, um, and then I'm missing one more player. I'd probably go Mike Miller off my bench.
3: Okay, all right, that's not the worst. That's that's much better than a means. I'll give you that. Put, <laughs> I mean, I could go Jason Williams too if
2: you want. You know what I mean? I like he Jason there.
3: Yeah. No. No. Yeah. No,
2: So I'm trying to like, you know, so Shane Battier technically played power forward in the uh, modern era of the NBA. So Mm -hmm. although not a traditional post player, he is technically in the modern era playing uh, or at least defending the post.
3: That's true. Yeah. Yeah. No, my my favorite uh, Battier story from Memphis is when we got him, we were told that he was a Kobe stopper. And I'm pretty sure that Kobe, the first time they played, dropped like 45 on his head. Um, well,
2: it's funny you say that. So there's not really a Kobe stopper, but there are guys who gave him, who made him work harder, right? And Shane is one of those guys. Rajah Bell is one of those guys. Bruce Bowen is one of those guys. And I guess sort of Reuben Patterson. Um, but those would be the four guys that at least really made him work hard that are just strictly kind of three and D guys.
3: You know, you know that uh, actually Kobe, you know who Kobe said was his, the best defender he ever played against. Who's that? The guy you left off your starting five, Tony Allen.
2: Oh well, yeah, there you go. Tony Allen's pretty good too. Yeah, I, and, though and, I don't remember him playing like guarding Kobe all that much. Um, no, not that much. That Just him, it
3: finals. was more on the Celtics. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Aaron, what's what's the letter grade? I, I give him. I give him a A, a minus.
2: Okay, oh, there wow. you go. That's pretty good. I'll
3: take that. As long That's as you bad. say Mark's better than Powell.
2: Oh, Mark is better than
3: Powell. Yeah. Man.
4: Yeah.
0: All right, mute, Mike Ryan, fan account, mute Aaron right now. <laughs> right now,
2: as the host, mute Aaron. I do uh, think that, that. That is not a popular opinion, but I do think that. Like, right. I think that Mark – first of all, Mark was a defensive player of the year. Powell is not. Um. Powell is a better scorer, I think, than Mark on the interior, better footwork and things like that, even though Mark is great. Mark might be a better passer than Powell, though. Um. So, you know, and, and let's not forget, Mark did develop a three-point shot. Um, now, Powell also didn't play in the era of the three-point shot as much. Right, right, So that, you know, could Powell have developed one? I think so. So slight edge to Mark, yes.
0: I I tried to settle, I tried to stop the argument in the chat last night by saying Mark was the better stateside player, Powell was the better international player, to try and even... Yeah, I would give you that, I would give you that. Okay, cool, 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 all right, well, thank you, Aaron, for that question, all 12 Memphis Grizzly fans will be thrilled by that talk, all right, up next, we've got Drake, he's got a few... Wait a second, I love
2: that, they gave you the finger, that was Fantastic. (laughs) Did he I really? That, I can... Is this like a video cast or is it just a podcast? It's just Get a
0: podcast. Here. So Aaron, Aaron was giving that to me. That was just personal. That was just No, love. I know it
2: was to you. Yeah. I was, it definitely <laughs> wasn't to me. He gave me an A minus. But I'm saying, I, I just was wondering <laughs> if people are going to see this later or are they just going to hear me describing that he gave you the finger? I, th- I
0: think there might be video recorded. So hopefully, uh, I-, I would love if somebody uploaded the video of Aaron flipping me off after saying that.
2: Um, I mean, that, that would, in that itself, I feel like it should be the tease. <laughs> For, like, if you were running, like, a, a teaser promo right. for this particular podcast, it's that. It's That's, just me agreeing with him and then him giving you the finger because <laughs> you gave him so much crap. Before. I love that so much.
0: All right. that uh, That is wise words from this gentleman right here, and, and, uh, and he knows what he's talking about. All right. Up next, we've got Drake, a.k.a. Cody Cavalry. He's got a food question for you. Go ahead, Drake. Let's do it. Donna, thanks for joining us, man. So, you've had the cool experience of living in New York, Miami, and L.A. Um, so, give us, all of us who haven't been to those three big cities, what would your three restaurant-slash-dinner options be for each of those cities?
2: Oh, man. Wow. Um, okay. Uh, I'm going to give you um, – All right. I'm going to start with Miami because that's the place I know the best. I spent 30 years there. So if you want like Cuban food, see the biggest misconception about Cuban food is that you have to go to a fancy place to get it. Um, I would tell you that I have been to places that are hole in the wall, Cuban food places that are better than any expensive Cuban food place I've ever been to. Um, So I would say if I was looking for Cuban food, I'm going to go two different routes here. So, I'm going to tell you that if you want to have, like, the ultimate, like, crazy South Beach, hustle and bustle, famous people, star-laden type restaurant scene, steakhouse place, you go to Prime 112 in Miami. Like, that is where, like, literally you can run into a former president, you can run into an NBA player, an NFL player, you know, you know, a, an actor, an actress, you, you name it. You will find someone famous there. Um, And it's crazy. It's like super small. It's super hard to get into, um, but it's unbelievable. So that's number one. Then like seafood places. See, most people would say Joe Stone Crab, which is also kind of uh, is on South Beach, super hustle and bustle, super hard to get into. No reservations. You either have to know somebody or you're waiting two hours to get in. Now, that place is great, but I actually have like a more family owned seafood place that I like called Garcia's which is on the Miami river. Um, Now there is a super family owned place, 50 years. The dad used to own it. The mom obviously then took it over and the dad passed away. Now the son owns it. Um, His name is Louis. Um, I actually used to go there a lot with uh, Dan's parents, with the Gonzalo and Lourdes all the time. We used to have dinner there or lunch there. And we actually used to play dominoes there. Uh, One time Poppy and I played dominoes, Against um, Lewis, the owner, and Dan, and we kicked their ass so many times that Lewis, the owner, <laughs> will never play dominoes with us ever again um, because we whoop their ass so many times. Um, so, Garcias is great, um, and, and then like a Cuban. Sp- and by the way, like Garcias is also kind of like a hybrid Cuban food with, with it's seafood, but Cuban seafood, so it's a little different right. than than Joe's, for example. Um, and then, man, there's just so many Cuban spots um good lord so there's like a a place i grew up in i grew up in hialeah which is like hardcore lower class lower middle class town like hard hat blue collar right super immigrant neighborhood um you know lower income is what i meant not lower class uh but lower income and the only famous thing there is a racetrack uh there used to be a really famous world famous racetrack there and um I, uh, so my favorite Cuban restaurant growing up is still there. It was a place called Molina's Ranch and it is a dive hole in the wall, which then expanded to like a little nicer spot across the street. They bought like an old mattress furniture store, like storefront and Mm -hmm. they made a bigger restaurant, but that is still my spot. You got to go deep into, uh, like the city for that. It's literally in the middle of the city. Um, In L.A., oh, man, um, L.A.'s probably, like, the best food town I think I've ever lived in um, because you can get so many, like, great little hole-in-the-wall restaurants, too, from all sorts of different, um, like, backgrounds and nationalities, right? Like you can find, obviously, great Asian food, but you can find great, like... Filipino food and Thai food and Chinese right. food and Korean right. food and like, like you know Japanese food right like there's an every like different kind so it's almost hard to nail it down to like one spot just even for Asian food there is a place um, called I'm trying to remember the name give me one second uh, I want to google it on my phone here uh, that I like to go to
1: is it Philippe's it's probably Philippe's
2: no 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 hold on hold on hold on
1: hold on. Um, Swinging a miss jeff Swinging a miss
2: no 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 it's not Phillips. um it's
1: a bull jeep it's an la classic though for real
2: <sighs> what was the place um god it escaped me now but i don't remember now give me a second it'll come to me um it's all well, good it's all good look the rea- the other part is this like Mexican food, I can't tell you, like, one place. Like, literally, you can go to, like, any taco truck in L.A. and get amazing Mexican food and get great tacos right. for, right. like, a dollar twenty-five a taco, right? Like, street tacos, like, there's not one spot. Um, although there is a great little sandwich shop that I discovered in L.A. I didn't think of L.A. as, like, a sandwich place. Um, right. But there's a place called Busy Bee in San Pedro, which is, like, a port city. Um, and it's just – out-of-this-world crazy sandwich shop. Um, there's another good sandwich shop called Fat Sal's. That's in Hollywood. That's a little more trendy, though, but it's super cool. Great shakes, all that kind of stuff, too. Um, let me see. Um, i trying to think. What else? Like Asia, I'm still thinking of the Asian place. Have you ever um, had Ethiopian food in L.A.? I have not, but I heard it's, it, it is excellent.
0: I've heard the uh, same thing.
2: Yeah, I have not. There's actually an uh, Ethiopian place that Dan was telling me, telling me about uh, in Miami. Um,
1: yo, Jorge, I think yo roast to go inside grand central market downtown. Check that out for tacos. Really?
2: Okay. I will absolutely check it out. Um, I'm trying to see like, what is the spot that I'm trying? The name just escapes me right now. Um, God. Trying to see, hold on. Give me a second. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm being really stupid here uh it's all good god whatever all right so i'll figure it out um so there's that mexican place like there's a million places dude like i can give you like you know there's like a fancy place in orange county um, by jeff i'm sure javier's everybody likes to go there it's like a but i don't think it's that good like it's fine
1: Trash, Uh, trash, 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 yeah, it's just like
2: really expensive, like for no reason. Like, because Mexican food, much like Cuban food, doesn't need to be expensive to be really good. Um, but it is like the fancy spot that people go to. Um, I will say this. As cliche as this will sound, if you want sushi, like I've been to a lot of sushi places in LA. The Nobu in Malibu is a different level of ridiculously expensive but unbelievably great sushi. Like you got to spend a bazillion dollars to eat there. But I did get invited there um, with a, a friend once, and uh-huh. I was just blown away at how good it was. I didn't think but, it could be good. I was like, "Yeah, this is full of crap." Like how right, good right. It could be? And then I ate it, and it, it's legit. It's it's,
0: legit. it's genuinely sometimes bizarre when when what you feel is got to be overpriced food genuinely lives up to the hype. Like it, it you, you feel like you're eating, you know, a hundred dollar bill with each bite. Uh quick question on the sushi topic, gas yeah. station sushi. Yes or no?
2: No. get the uh, I almost cursed. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> no, no. Okay. All right. All right. Absolutely all right. So, not. so, like, no. so, uh, first of all, I even think like, I wouldn't even buy like like I would only buy supermarket sushi from like a nice supermarket. Like I'm not going into like a refs for like sushi here in LA. Okay. So know?
0: uh George You've so, been downgraded so, to a D. Aaron, Aaron, shut up. Aaron, grading. Aaron, hush, hush. So that's twice now. So this time, this time you were Scottie Pippen dunking on Patrick Ewing. Okay. Right. That was that was the dunk that was just committed on Aaron from Memphis. We have got to move on though. I want to transition here, if you don't mind. Uh, Cody Cavalry, that was a good question. Somehow we always turn this podcast into a food podcast.
2: Always, well, real quick, and forever. Uh, on, oh yeah, uh, go ahead. Real quick on New York: um, Il Molino, Italian restaurant. Um, okay. Peter Luger's Steakhouse, and um, oh, I mean, shit. There's a million pizza places, I'm sure. But and just like you can find a great mom and pop, pizza right?
0: Place, but, right. Yeah. I imagine it's similar to L.A. and where like you you get genuine, real deal you know uh types of food from all ethnicities and backgrounds
2: but il molino and peter luger's steakhouse those are like two like new york places yeah
0: good stuff right on right on good recommendations uh for everybody in those cities all right next up we are going to go out to lou uh lou rafter aka bruce in sales go ahead lou Hey, this is Lou at Stugatz Army 790. So, I kind of got a two part question. Uh, one, I want to know about the first time you met Stugatz and what lie did he tell you? And this next one comes from uh, a fan, uh, at C Gunderson. Uh, he wants to know you're always talking about the scams that Stugatz pulls on people. Have you ever pulled a scam on Stugatz?
2: I've never pulled a scam on Stugatz um, because you can't bullshit a bullshitter. Um, but I would say that the um, the first time I met Stu Stugatz, so I was, uh, let me see, how old was I? Probably like 25, I want to say. And I was working at a radio station in Miami. And I met Stu Stugatz because he was coming on to work on some morning show. That like some guy was buying the time, but Stugatsu had been working with uh, a, like a legendary uh talk show host at the time, Hank Goldberg. But he wanted to get out of like the producing role; he wanted to be on the air. So he went work for this guy. So I met him there, and it was just like you know, it was very him. He like waddles up to you. He's like, "Hey, buddy, Gatz man, big fan." And I'm just like, um, "Hey, man, what's up?" Like. Nice to see you. Nice to meet you. But it was just so him. Like he, you know, walked up to me like we'd known each other for 20 years. We'd literally known each other for 20 seconds. (laughs) Like he's asking me questions about stuff like around the place, like, you know, what's it like to, you know, hang out with this person or that person? Because it was a big building with like seven radio stations. And I'm just like, yeah, man, they're cool. Like, and I'm thinking, who (laughs) is this guy? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, who are you? You know?
0: and then that was that was the the uh birth of a beautiful friendship correct yeah i
2: would have never guessed after that first meeting you know how they say (laughs) like uh what is it first encounters uh, tell you a lot like yeah well that isn't always the truth clearly
0: all right up next we're gonna go out to Stupak. i believe he's got some basketball
2: trade questions go ahead Stupak. oh well i'm sure if you asked him these a while back i'm sure he loved these because there's (laughs) nothing that he loves more than uh fake trade questions (laughs)
4: <laughs> yeah, I ain't get to get to a mean though. But what up, though, bro? It's Dupac, Army 790 from Detroit. You good? What up? Yeah, I was thinking, now, what you think would be the best place for Lamelo Ball to land in this upcoming draft out of teams who wouldn't make the playoffs? Like Golden State Warriors, Brooklyn, the Pelicans, the Grizzlies, or the Hawks? So, what, what was the question again? I missed the question. Who would I draft where? What would be the best spot for Lamello Ball to land between oh, the Oh, Lamelo Ball. Hmm.
2: So, I can include any team that would be in the lottery, right?
4: Yeah. So, I'm including like Golden State, Brooklyn, New Orleans, Memphis Hawks, because all of them can't make it, even Portland. Yeah, so. I'm tr-
2: trying to think. Like, Lamel Ball, he's bigger. I think he's going to be like thicker than his brother. Um, so, I think he's going to project to be like, um, I don't think he's going to be like as like thin as Lonzo. Um, so, I think he could be more of a wing player. Um, so, Golden State would be interesting, even though they have Wiggins now. But he kind of stinks. Um, and, he, they, look, New York needs him. As much as I love making fun of the Knicks. Like, the Knicks kind of need him more than anything else. Plus, nothing would be more interesting than LeVar Ball in New York City at Madison Square Garden. So I'm going to go with the Knicks just for the anarchy and the chaos all.
4: Yeah, I think Golden State would be a better fit one because I think they all be going crazy. Oh, from a good. basketball
2: perspective, there's no question. Yeah, for sure. And look, honestly, even the Hawks would be great, right? Like, you could have him and Trey play in the same backcourt, right? They'd be fun to watch, um, you know, because they've already got kind of those wing players that they can play with. Um, they've got a nice young team. Like, the Hawks could build something with them, too. They, that'd be a better basketball fit. But just for the insanity of it, like, the Knicks would be fantastic.
4: And also, I think the Warriors traded Russell too soon for that Wiggins deal. If they would have held on to him to the offseason with that lottery pick, I think they would have had a chance to wait for, like, Simmons and Embiid to have a meltdown in the playoffs, which I think was going to happen. And they could have tried to mess around and got Simmons for maybe a Russell and some picks or whatever.
2: Yeah, I I get what you're saying, but I just feel like Steve Kerr without, you know, because he's just kind of like a nice guy, wouldn't say this, but it just, I just got the feeling that D'Angelo just never fit into his plans, that literally D'Angelo was like a placeholder. And I get what you're saying. They probably could have gotten more value, but they ended up doing pretty well. They got a first-round pick in return from a team in Minnesota who's made the playoffs once in the last 15 years. So, like, I feel like the odds are that they're going to get a pretty good pick just from Minnesota here, even though it's top three protected in the next season. Um, and and they still got Wiggins, who I don't love. But I, I know that, look, in every sport, right, everybody loves to kind of feel like they can make the former number one overall pick good. Um, and maybe that ends up happening, Happening, and maybe I eat it, right, that he's he's better than I think he is. But I already feel like I've been fooled too many times by Andrew Wiggins over
5: the years.
0: All right. All yeah. right. Thank you, uh, Stu Puck. Uh, you. We're gonna we're gonna go to Anthony in Brooklyn now. He's got another basketball question for you.
5: Hey, Sedano, thanks for joining us. Anthony yeah, from uh, from New York. Um, I was gonna do basketball, but since you gifted me Lamelo as a struggling Knicks fan, and the thoughts of Lavar punching my owner my team's owner in his face, I'm gonna go in a different <laughs> direction. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna ask you as a parent, how have you found the the spring semester being for you, your kids, the family have? Have you had a dad and teach more than you thought? Has it been easy? Has it been hard? What, just want to get your thoughts on what you and what you see coming in the fall, I guess, or if you don't I mind feel, sharing about your personal Yeah, life. yeah,
2: for sure, man. Yeah, I think that it's challenging in this regard. So I have a six-year-old um, and then, you know, the, my youngest is too young. He, he's not even two yet. Um, but my my six-year-old had to finish the school year in kindergarten And if there's anything that should be written as some sort of comedy is a uh, kindergarten class trying to do Zoom because (laughs) it was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And I really felt terrible for um, the the kindergarten teachers, a really nice lady. She's really good at what she does, but there's just no control over that. So um, we did our best. She did a much better job of kind of limiting the time later on. And, you know, we did our best to try to be involved, my wife and I, to make sure that she was paying attention and things of that sort. Um, And the teacher did a really good job of like emailing my wife, like worksheets and stuff that they could do, like tracing letters, and things like that or whatever. Um, I do think that it was easier in the spring because at that point, you know, the kids have whatever it is, six months, I guess, of being with their teachers. So they know their teacher, they know the other students, Right. I think that starting virtually now, while I agree with it, because let's face it, we're in a really weird situation. um, And I don't think it's fair to put teachers in harm's way too. uh, Most of which, you know, I would say the majority of which are um, in the age range that would be most affected by this, right? Right. But um, I do think it's a serious challenge, right? Like for us, like what's a six-year-old going to be able to do on Zoom, um, you know, uh, when, when she doesn't even know the teacher yet, you know, like it's going to be really hard. I will give the school district that we're in credit. They've sent out this like virtual manual for us to read and just kind of really kind of detailing what things will look like um, from how long each session will go. I think overall it's going to be like three or four hours um, with some breaks in between. Right. And, you know, for the little kids. Uh, so I think that they're Their model is a little better, right? They'll go like 30 minutes or so. then maybe take a break for 10 or 15 minutes, come back and stuff. Now that puts a lot of onus and emphasis on uh, myself and my wife specifically, because if I'm working right, like she's got to deal with all of this. So, and and meanwhile, dealing with a, you know, a little kid, you know, a toddler basically who's running around so that, you know, that's a lot of work. Um, But, you know, I, I think that we're, we're doing our best in that sense. My wife's been really smart. Like, she kind of grabbed this, uh, she ordered this book on Amazon. It's like a workbook, basically. It's got like 500 pages. And it's called, like, something to the effect of, like, the transition from kindergarten to first grade. And every day she makes my daughter, um, you know, do like five pages, right? And it just that way, at least we're kind of trying to help her out and help her walk as best we can. So that would be the advice that I would give any parent now that, like, find something for them to do now over the next couple of weeks to just kind of get them in the flow uh, of working independently. Because um, as much as it'll be, I think, easier for older kids, like once you're already in like junior high and high school, like it's easier to work independently. Mm-hmm. But I do think for little kids in elementary school, kindergarten, first grade, second, third, fourth grade, even maybe, um, it's it's definitely um, a, a big challenge, you know, just from the Parents' perspective, clearly from the kids' perspective, and mostly because of the attention span or lack thereof. You know,
5: well, I just like to add: there is one thing harder than getting a sixth grader on a Zoom. My wife runs a preschool of two, three, and four-year-olds. Imagine oh trying God. to handle them on Zooms.
2: Yeah, I don't even know how the hell <laughs> they do that. Like,
5: so uh, I appreciate imagine. I appreciate you sharing your personal stuff with what's going on. So yeah, man, you.
2: for sure.
0: And yeah, Luger
5: is amazing. Luger is every day. That was a of- great
0: question. Ant.
5: thanks. Will. Sorry,
0: I, I didn't mean to step all over you there. That was that was a great question. Uh, I my boys fortunately are uh, 21, 17 and 14. So I don't have to deal with any of those ages right now. I could not imagine it. Uh, it it just sounds like an absolute uh, uh, I don't know, You you want the best. It's such a developmental age that it's it's, uh, it's it's so crucial right now I don't, I don't know what the answer is either there's it not a good one out there right now for sure
1: do you want to feel like you're being choked by a very weak guy with incredibly soft hands all day turtlenecks Turtles. do you want to appear overdressed without spending much money turtlenecks Turtles. do you want to be accused of stealing the look from now until the end of time? Turtlenecks. Tur-tur-tex. Do you want to be at the height of fashion but have an art gallery to manage? Turtlenecks. Turtlenecks. Do you want to wear a turtleneck without the extra layer of fabric? Try mock turtlenecks. Mock turtlenecks. Do you enjoy the 80s SNL skit sprockets?
4: Turtlenecks.